You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the Diamond District bonus hour. Big week for you and the Diamond District. If you haven't ever been acquainted with one another, this might be the week to do it. You're running out of time. Wednesday is Valentine's Day. I may be catching some of you by surprise because, you know, you're not paying attention to anything else until the football season ended. It's over. Wednesday's Valentine's Day. Sunday's Daytona. It's also All-Star Weekend in the NBA. Just to, you know, keep your abreast as to what's going on. But uh, Todd and Jason, the Diamond District, they can't help you with Daytona and the All-Star Weekend. They can really help you with Valentine's Day. I think you, I think you nailed all the bullet points there, and thank you for pointing out to me that NBA All-Star Weekend is coming up. <laughs> Always is. one of the highlights of the season. <laughs> 178-174. They're going back to East versus West. You know, they're like one baseball slogan away. Th- this time it counts. You know, they're one slogan away. This time we won't play defense. Oh, that's right. every well, time. This time we'll play defense in the final five minutes. Right. So, there you go. Daytona's sold out, by the way. It seems like every major sporting event is just a really tough, expensive ticket. Did you see, uh, by the way, smallest Super Bowl crowd ever. You know, they, they, they made a few arrangements down below. You know, they, only 61,000 and change. They had more people at the first Super Bowl, which wasn't called the Super Bowl the first time around, in Los Angeles. It was at the LA Coliseum. Even though the Coliseum could hold like 95,000, only like 62,000 showed up. This was literally the fewest people who have ever seen the Super Bowl in person. And yet, obviously, hot ticket. But what it did show is that fans of the teams aren't there because it was really quiet. There were more Niner fans than Chiefs fans. Yes. But it was very quiet throughout that game. Which is unusual because CBS's NFL audio is usually loud. Sometimes it is difficult to hear Nance and Romo over their audio. Yeah, we never had that problem yesterday. No, you didn't. Sometimes you wish that you did, but we never had that problem yesterday. (laughs) So so do you think, by the way, that uh, this is the first of, you know, Vegas and L.A. are going to be two of the five? Yes. This is... Okay. Yes, but what's interesting, it will we'll find out here in the coming weeks because I'm guessing if we dig, there'll be some stories on it. Is that the only thing that I've read negative about the Super Bowl being in Vegas comes from some of the Vegas, you know, quietly some off the record comments by the people who run the casinos in Las Vegas because they don't necessarily want, you know, Trent and his brother there. For the Super Bowl, they'd be more inclined to have two whales mm-hmm. who really gamble there. They're right. not interested in Trent's seven dollar bet. They're interested in the seventy five hundred dollar bet. And right. with the Super Bowl being there, it brought more fans, more casual gamblers, if you will, not the football fan that rolls out to Vegas for the Super Bowl when it's not there because they want action the whole time. So that's the only 
thing to me to look at down the road is that the you know what I how I read it was the people who have quietly run Vegas since Sinatra was there may not have liked this Super Bowl. So that's just you know that's something to keep an eye on David, but I I think everything went off pretty swimmingly. There were not problems reported. I saw some stuff on social media of a you know Chiefs and Niners fans fighting after the game, but I don't care where you play the game that that kind of crap happens. Um I, by all accounts, Vegas hit it out of the park, David. Well, the NFL seems surprisingly happy with it. So, you know, and they're obviously the only one that counts. I mean, you know, it's a focus group of 32, 33, if you think Goodell actually has a say. So you and I expect it to be part of the rotation going forward. It seems clear that SoFi Stadium is in the new rotation going forward. We think Vegas will be the second pillar in the rotation. Think of it as the open championship rotation where there are, you know, basically the St. Andrews every five years, no matter what. And then they just figure out, you know, Troon and Turnberry and what. I don't understand how Santa Clara is such a big part of what they're doing. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. I don't either. I also don't. didn't think that the Niners ownership had that much pull, but you know, they got Super Bowl 50 and they're getting Super Bowl 60. The San Francisco Bay area is. So once every 10 years, which right now is better than new Orleans and Indianapolis are doing. And those two cities have hosted quite a few. And, you know, I'm of the belief that Miami's going to be in the rotation, but you know, Miami's last Super Bowl was the first time the Chiefs and the Niners went at it, 54. Well, they've already announced the locations through 61. So it's going to be at least eight years until Miami gets another Super Bowl. So, which is a long drought for Miami. Take a look at it. You know, they, Miami's been a part of the rotation from the very beginning. So, Miller and Moulton. All right. Uh, officiating. Do you have any problems with it at all? No. I thought it was a well-officiated game. The players made it pretty easy to make the call. You know, there was some pre-snap stuff. Those are easy calls. The holding call that was on Trent Williams was an easy call. The defensive holding penalty seemed like the right call. I mean, I'm trying to think of something where I could question it, David. By the way, this is something that, you know, Trent, you asked me last hour about Nance. This is something, and this could be very nitpicky. Jim Nance of a couple years ago would have pointed out as the Niners were driving and then scoring that the Chiefs won last year's Super Bowl on a defensive holding pass interference call on the Eagles, and now look at how things have turned one year later. Okay? That call was never brought up down the stretch of this game. Okay, I thought it was – I mean, come on. And the Niners are driving because that's third and 12. That's incomplete. They're punting. Okay. Hey, I'm just curious, and you may not know the answer to this, but you work with Joe and Troy. Would they both have watched last year's Super Bowl and preparing for this year's Super Bowl again? They uh, Rewatched it. Because, David, you remember plays really well. I don't like I that's something I actually thought about going into the Super Bowl going I wonder if I'm going to watch some Super Bowl Saturday or Sunday just just for the hell of it on NFL Network. Uh might have because the Chiefs were involved last year 
So maybe one or both of them would have watched a little bit of it. I would think the analysts would watch it more than the play-by-play guy. But Nance watches everything. Okay? And Nance is a huge sports fan. I mean, he knows all sports in the history and what have you. And, and to me, Trent, that's something that Jim Nance used to always would have pointed out. All right? And it, I mean, to me, and, and I can be a bit of a goober, but to me, the irony of a defensive pass interference holding call, extending a drive, leading to points. I, I mean, come on. T- is there a single Eagles fan that didn't see the irony as that was playing out? You know, I think a lot. Come on, it was the Super Bowl last year. We all saw it. We don't remember how last year's Super Bowl ended. It was kind of a big call. I like the call, by the way. All right, and you know I'm a defensive guy. I always, you know, I don't mind the defense getting away with a few things here and there. And they did, and the offense got away with a few things, and Super Bowls are typically officiated that way where there are less penalties called. But we had John Perry on late last week, who was the referee in two Super Bowls, and he's the Monday Night Football Rules analyst, and he said without question, that man who refereed yesterday, best referee in the game today. The one thing I will say Man, those calls were made quick. There was no delay. They had one three-second conference about a call. That was it. I will say, and it was the grounding penalty when the receiver, when he did the two-hand, he did the chest pass. Yep. You know, the 1975 bounce pass there, basically. And um, that receiver was coming back into play. That, I mean. It was an interesting call. It Actually, Gene, CBS's rules official, disagreed with the call. Disagreed with it, and. It looked as if one of the other officials had was definitely second-guessing the referee, and the referee just kind of pushed him away and said, right. no, 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 I got this. I'm making a call. It's grounding. Right. Yeah, the referee's like, no, I had the angle. He was just throwing it away. He was not throwing that ball to that tight end. Tight end tried to make it look good, but he was throwing that sucker away. And I thought that was the right call. I mean, come on. And Mahomes wasn't throwing the ball to that tight end. First off, he, he shot-putted it with two hands, and if anything, he had his left hand on the ball more than the right. Okay? And and for what it's worth, the ball didn't get to the line of scrimmage. Now, I know when you leave the pocket, but... No, it, it's got to, it still has to get to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. Come on. It, it clearly was grounding. Now, Nance did point out something, and I didn't necessarily disagree with him. When um, the fullback for the Niners when he made that catch near the sideline in overtime and then he took and then dove. And when there's a ball hits the ground, he loses it. Okay. And Nance just said, I'm surprised they're not taking a look at this just to be sure. I was shocked that Romo didn't bring up the Des Bryant play. Cause that was the Des Bryant play from nine years earlier. I mean, it was Des caught it, took two steps, extended the ball towards the goal line ball, hit the ground. They called it incomplete. Well, the fullback of the Niners just did the exact same thing. Caught it, took two steps, extends the ball, okay, doesn't hold on to it. To me, I mean, I, I literally, I was shocked that Romo didn't bring it up. I mean, Dez took right to Twitter and said, I don't know, looks like an incompletion to me. At least that's what I'm told. Okay, I, I mean, I couldn't believe Romo. It's arguably the biggest play of his career. I mean, they might have won the Super Bowl that year, to be honest with you. That's how close the playoffs were that year. But, you know, at, 
But they didn't review a play, did they? No. No, not and one. Yet it was the longest Super Bowl ever. Yeah. Crazy. Well, well, they played five full quarters. And they didn't run the ball in the third quarter. Right. <laughs> no, Niners certainly didn't. I thought the officiating was very good, though. If anybody's complaining about the officiating today, I, I just think you're miserable. Come on. But, I mean, come on. If that if that's the officiating we're going to get for the rest of our lives, come on. It would be pretty We'd sign out. up for that right now, David. I thought they had a really good game. Yeah. So. Miller and Moulton. Miss any of the show? Go to all the usual spots to download it. This is the Bonus Hour, brought to you by Jason and Todd at the Diamond District. 21 minutes past the hour, the Diamond District Bonus Hour. Make sure you visit Todd and Jason's aid tomorrow or Wednesday. If you want to win Valentine's Day, Mark Miller won Christmas going to Todd and Jason so well, he gets a pass on Valentine's Day. Now, think about that. Maybe you have an anniversary or a birthday or something like that coming up in short order. You go visit Todd and Jason. You win Valentine's Day the way Mark Miller won Christmas. Who knows? Maybe this is it. Huh? Think about that. That's a win-win, as we call it. Just think about it. Todd and Jason and the good folks who run the Diamond District, remember, they're salespeople. They don't work on commission. So, you know, you buy it, great. It's not right for you. Eh, keep doing their job. No pressure. Kind of good to know. You've got this down. Nothing. Nothing to add. Oh, it's. Nothing I know I don't add. live in Southwest Florida anymore, but it's not like I don't know the the guys. No, the I know. I, I've, I've got nothing to add. It, it was well I, done. I just, you know, I can talk about them. Hell, you know, they helped us. We helped them. You know, it's a win-win relationship. Yes, it is. You know, I think their win's a little bigger than ours, but, you know, it's okay. It's a win-win. We're happy with it. We like them. It's good. You know, maybe one of these days, you know, we'll we'll have a win like that. Maybe. One of these days. I went out a loser with my Super Bowl pick. David went out a winner on football season. The big question, there's two. A uh, little bit of controversy with the anthem. Reba sang the last uh, line twice. In most places, that's an over. couple places, because when she sang it the first time, she was under. They actually paid out on both. But to most, the anthem went over. Minute 35, the over-under was what? Minute 30 and a half, mm-hmm. minute 31, something yeah, like that? Yeah, minute 30 and a half. Okay, here's the big one, though. What did you get the over-under at? Because all week it was 47 and a half. But the game was one and a half. It was two, one and a half, two. So what'd you get the over-under at? Because ESPN bet it went off at 46 and a half. Well, then the game went over. Most places had it 47 and a half. That's an under. So, you know, every now and then you get that outcome in which, you know, when did you place your bet and where? What'd you get it at? 
the whole anthem thing is crazy to me because Guillermo is in our Twitch chat room saying Bovada was very clear. It ends on the first brave. Everybody yeah. else says it ends on the first and last note. Right. So I think it's now going to be defined. I think next year's anthem, it will be clearly defined because of just what took place this year. And it was not on the Hard Rock app. If it was, I didn't see it. And I looked because I would have played it. And we would have lost money. Yes, we would have. Although I have to admit, I thought she did a great job with her scouting report because until she doubled up Home of the Brave, everything that she said was perfect. The note she was going to sing it at, okay, at her pace, the whole deal. She nailed the scouting report. And then Reba was so fired up, she said, ah, sing it again. Home of the Brave. Great. Fantastic. So, most uh, bet, prop bet was the coin toss, for the record. And teams who have been winning the coin toss have been losing the Super Bowl. The two exceptions, the Chiefs, the last two years. And as for coin tosses, why did the Niners take the ball in overtime? Kyle Shanahan said after the game, because after the first possession for each team, next score wins, I wanted us to have the ball. Okay. Okay. Andy Reid said if they had won the coin toss, they would have not taken the ball. Chris Jones said after the game that if the Niners had scored a touchdown, that the Chiefs were going to, if they scored a touchdown, go for two in the win. Hmm. Okay. One thing we'll never know as it played out. Remember, Niners got the ball, kicked the field goal. So there really was no decision for the Chiefs to make. It was just a matter of what plays they were going to run to convert third and fourth down. But remember, at the very beginning of the drive, the Chiefs had fourth and a half a yard. If the Niners had deferred and the Chiefs had the ball and it's tied at 19, does Andy Reid go for it? Fourth down on his own 34 and a half yard line? They're not a good short yardage team. They had been stopped on short yardage twice earlier in the game. That's why they went with the play call that they did. They didn't put it in a running back's hands. They kept it in Mahomes' hands with a run-pass option. Do you think, Mark, Andy Reid, if they got the ball first and then the drive played out the way it did, does Andy in a tie game punt or does he go for it knowing as he's going for it, well, we don't convert this. We're going to lose the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the ultimate hypothetical. I think he goes for it because punting and then knowing you just give up a field goal and lose. Right. And Moody's already hit from 54 yards, 55 yards rather. So, and I think he goes for it. Okay. In that scenario. We'll never know, obviously, but. Right. So that to me was the interesting thing as this played out. It's kind of like, wow, this would have been a. I mean, it's an easy decision now. It's just a matter of what play they're going to run. But when Mahomes ran a couple of quarterback draws 
or decided to scramble. They weren't called quarterback draws. He just decided to scramble. Late in regulation, I guess it was mid-fourth, they're down uh, three, and they've got uh, third and – I think they had like third and two. They could get a first down if they got it inside the four. I thought he was going to run a quarterback draw. He had the he had all five receivers spread out. The Niners only had like five in the box. They had like the four linemen and Warner. And I'm like, oh, he's going to run a quarterback draw here. Look how open this is. And I wondered then later on, because they didn't obviously, but then further on in the game, Mahomes started keeping the ball and running with it. And one of those was a design draw. I mean, yes. one of the plays was clearly a design run or a called run, I should say. And then the fourth down was, you know, an, uh, an RPO play where he had Kelsey if he needed him. Kelsey ends up, by the way, nine catches, 93 yards. Nine catches on 10 targets. How about the last two games for Kelsey? Targeted 21 times. He had 20 catches. Debo was targeted 11 times yesterday. How many catches he had? Three balls, David. Three. He's uncoverable. I just... I mean, he's uncomfortable. I mean, the Niners with their linebackers, even though Greenlaw got hurt, uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton with the Ravens. I mean, there are some people now too much exposure with Kelsey. They don't like him because of the Pfizer ads. You know, they, Kelsey's negatives. and He's never been more popular. His negatives have never been higher. I don't know what to tell you. He's he's an all-timer at that position. Yeah, we literally had one, David. By the way, this was the first Super Bowl that I didn't watch. Between Romo and all the Swift crap, I didn't watch. No, you missed okay. a hell of a game. I, you missed a hell of a fourth quarter in overtime. I don't know if you missed a hell of a game. You missed a hell of a fourth quarter in overtime. And maybe you missed a hell of a halftime because a lot of people seem to like Usher. Decent amount or, eh. I wonder, can you respond to that person and say, hey, did you know about the Nickelodeon broadcast? If so, would you have watched it? Just curious. Because then uh, no Romo. And I think he got less of uh, Swift on the Nickelodeon broadcast. Miller and Mullen. Good, bad, and ugly. What's on tap today was today when some final thoughts and a pick coming up. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes until the top of the hour. David Sampson, Pat Kerwin on the show tomorrow. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for being with us. The Diamond District bonus hour. Make sure you visit Todd and Jason over the next three days. They've got some specials going. And, well, you've got Valentine's Day and you've got a win. All right. This is, you don't want the answer for the loved one in your life to be one of the two answers that we offer in our Usher halftime performance poll question. You know, question is, what'd you think of it? You know, really good. Liked it. Didn't like it. Eh. Which is kind of like, you know, C plus, B minus. You don't, you know, you want to win Valentine's Day. You do. So just saying. By the way, how are you doing on the poll question? Are people still eh, or are they back to like really like an usher? No, 55% are going eh, huh. but only 13% hated it. Okay. So I think that's a positive. And yeah. 81, almost 82% of you thinks that the Chiefs are a dynasty. There you go. Mark does not. Trent and I do. 
at Mark Miller, the David Moulton, Florida Sports Network.com. <laughs> you know, this is so great. Everything about this is fantastic because Trent earlier in the show during a commercial break said, you know, you know, I, I love it. When what, Mark? When everything's working right around here. I'm going to try this again. By the again. way, Trent, for the record, that was his voice, not mine. <laughs> well, I know. started with a regular voice, but in order to accurately do it. I think I got it. Let's see. It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. Another day I don't have a lot. Telling you right now, David, I don't know if I'm missing things, so just start digging. This is for Trent and I and for all the rest of the alum. It was today in 1855 that Michigan State University was established. Go green. Huh. Happy birthday. Wow. You guys are 169 years old. Damn. What do you get someone who's 169? Hearing aids. 1909, the NAACP forms. 1937. The Cleveland Rams are granted an NFL franchise. 1964, the Beatles play their first concert in New York City. It was at Carnegie Hall. Gretzky in 82 scored his 153rd point of the season to break an NHL record. It is February. And a year ago, Kansas City took down Philly in Super Bowl 57, 38-35. Uh, That Mahomes guy was the MVP. Abraham Lincoln, Charles Darwin, Lauren Green, that's for Moulton and I, dead or Canadian, he happens to be both, Joe Garagiola, Bill Russell, and Ray Manzarek all born today. Chet Lemon, 69. Love Chet Lemon. Arsenio Hall is 68. And RG3 is 34. I got to admit, I was part of the wave with Arsenio. I I was his first go when he was, you know, that 18 months to two years where he was, you know, a thing. I, yeah, I was part of that. Because Carson had just, you know, May of 92, Johnny, you know, Johnny walked away and I was not a Leno guy. I'm, I'm with you. I think I watched more Arsenio than I did Leno. Right. You know, and Letterman was still on it, you know, an hour later. So I could go from Arsenio to Letterman. I was, you know, you know, oh, yeah. How was that again? What did I miss? Uh, You missed a few things. Not much, though. Uh, Let's see. We started uh, releasing POWs, uh, you know, from Vietnam today in uh, 73. That's always a good thing. Um, Not much. I mean, today in 99, Clinton acquitted for impeachment. You know, it's just not much, really. You've heard folks elsewhere mock Florida is gonna Florida. Well... Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? For the good today, we have a follow-up. 
I've learned a lot of things from David Moulton, and one of them is that people are into follow-ups. Love them. It was just a week ago that our bad was a decision by the Guinness Book of World Records to not grant Richard Plaud the title of the world's tallest matchstick sculpture. Right. Richard spent eight years building an Eiffel Tower from 706,000 matchsticks. But they told me it was disqualified because he used matchsticks that were not commercially available. They have well, reversed also, course, David. Whoa! Now, hold on. Originally, we were on his side. We thought he got screwed. However, then we found out that his sticks were just sticks. They weren't matches, right? Right, but apparently, Mark McKinley is the director of Central Record Services for the Guinness World Record. And he is reversed course because they have corrected, as he says, we have corrected some inconsistencies within our rules, which now allow the matchsticks to be sniped and shaped as the modeler sees fit. So good for Richard. Wouldn't wanted him to spend eight years building this damn thing and not get a record. Eight years? Right. Years. He started Obama was president. Wow. For the bad, we go to North Bend, Washington, where Amy Holt said her camera recorded someone attempting to enter her home through the doggy door. It was a bear. Uh-oh. Correct. She said the video is completely entertaining, but it also makes me a little worried about waking up in bed with a bear next to me. The bear was too big for the doggy door. The bear then tried to get through a couple of windows as well. Don't worry, honey. You won't be waking up with a bear next to you. I can assure you of that. And finally, the ugly. We go to Cape Coral. Where the Cape Coral Police Department is looking for your help in finding the Cookie Monster Pajama Thieves. A man and a woman in matching Cookie Monster Pajamas went to the Lowe's on Pine Island Road and tried to leave the store without paying. When they were stopped, the man revealed that he had a gun in his waistband and threatened the loss prevention officer. They then left the store and are still at large. If you have any information on the Cookie Monster Thieves, call the Cape Coral Police Department. And that, David, is the good, the bad, and the ugly on today, February the 12th, 2024. It's a slow sports night. Some teams are in Florida reporting the spring training today, though. But it's a slow sports night. First off, there's only, what, one ranked game tonight? Two. Duke's at home and then one game with ranked teams, Texas Tech and Kansas. So Duke's a a 7.5 point favorite at home. Duke has not been playing well lately. Wake Forest is coming to town. Wake has not shown the ability to be able to beat teams like Duke. But then again, well, funny stuff's been happening. We'll probably stay away from that. Here's our big dilemma. Kansas at Texas Tech. Kansas is the more highly thought of team, but Texas Tech's actually a home favorite. So do we stay away from the game or do we pick a side? Does Kansas start becoming Kansas again? Or no, do we go with the home team? You see what you're doing right now, don't you? 
I know. I want to bet. We're on a heater. Right. Nothing fits our criteria, so Molten is insisting that we make a bet. Correct. Because we're on a heater, and I I don't want to sit the night out. You're right. You've got me pegged. I mean, like, I'm looking at the NBA, who's got, like, nine games. (laughs) I knew it. And I did, too. And I'm I'm looking at the NBA, and I went, what in the hell are you doing, Miller? You have no business betting the NBA. No. You don't follow it closely enough. You don't know who's playing right now. No. So last week before All-Star, you don't know who's going to sit out and take the full week off. Okay. You don't know. Like the Knicks are in Houston. They're getting everybody back tonight. You know. <sighs> I mean, the best game of the night is the Clippers and the Timberwolves. Clippers are laying four and a half. It's for first place in the West. Gosh, I wish that wasn't a 10-30 tip. I feel like Felipe. <laughs> NBA TV, baby. Nothing like going to bed about 1.15 in the morning. Getting up three and a half hours later. Being a zombie for us. Denver and Milwaukee play tonight. The Bucks are actually a home dog. They did finally win another game with Doc. Okay, they're like two and five with Doc Rivers now. Mark, I'm thinking about betting hockey tonight. I mean, that that's how much I want to place a bet. That's the heater that we're on. I like Vegas at home against the Wild. I do, too. <laughs> I, I do, too. Otherwise, the Rangers, Devils, and Flyers are home. None of these games nationally televised. It just... Do these networks realize that we're starving for sports tonight? We could th- tonight is a good sports night would have really helped a lot of us. Otherwise, this depression is going to set in. Do you guys really want that? Hey, uh, something happened, and I just went to watch the game as a fan, also to do a little scouting because I'm leaving town tomorrow to broadcast a couple of uh, Jacksonville uh, road basketball games, but. So Jacksonville was hosting North Alabama. Three and a half minutes into the game, the head coach who had never been ejected before in his three-year career gets ejected. And it was one of those official just missed a call. He anticipated it being a foul. It wasn't. It was a clean pick. And um, so, you know, the Jacksonville coach is just going, come on, man, you missed that one and what have you. And they're just talking. And at no point in time do you see the official give the T sign, like, hey, I'm teeing you up. And then they start talking some more. And then, you know, the other official blows the whistle. We're going to have a, you know, play resumes. And literally, the other two officials want to return to the game. The official and the coach are still talking. And now it's starting to get a little animated. The official begins to walk away. The coach follows him two steps onto the court. They both stop. They continue to go at it. And then Mark, Jordan Mincy, the head coach of Jacksonville, loses his blank. And he is charging this official. He is being held back. Players are getting in the middle. Okay, clearly something was said. What would you say to him, Reg? From the one official to the coach. And the coach, you know, he gets double texts. He's gone. Okay, he walks across the court, get, walks into the first row of the stands to his athletic director and says, this is what happened, okay? 
and then walks off the court, shakes the other coach's hand, actually, you know, shakes the other player's hands and what have you, and leaves. But clearly you're getting the impression sitting in the stands, well, obviously somebody said something to the other that uh, the other didn't like. Yeah, the A-Sun came out yesterday and suspended that official for the rest of the year. Oh, boy. I've never seen that before. So clearly the conference, when they got the report, the one from the official and the one from the coach, uh, they believe the report from the coach. Regular season and playoffs. He can't work in that conference anymore. That doesn't mean he can't work Gulf South, Sun Belt. He can still get work. But officiating is at a – we've never had less officials. Right. So to suspend an official for the year, they're obviously – I mean, they need officials. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. It's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, something you don't normally see. Uh, FGCU with a key win. Men and women both over the weekend. Men are beginning to uh, climb the standings a bit. They're, uh, you know, they're five and six. You know, they're like tied for seventh, something like that, trying to get some playoff positioning here. Got four games left, only one this week. I think they two and two, I think, in terms of home and away down the stretch. So we'll see if they can get a little something together. Women are pulling away, as they always do. Now it's time, Trent. We'll have to, we might have to take one of those FGCU games in between now and the end of the regular season. Let me know. Aren't, aren't many left. Exactly. There's only two weeks left in the regular season. And the odds are they're not going to host a conference tournament game unless they really win three of four coming in. Minimum, yes. Mm-hmm. So then they'd have a shot. The women, meanwhile, will host the whole damn thing. As they always do. All roads go through Aliko Arena when it comes to the women's side in the A-Sun, where they have been dominant now for ever. Miller and Moulton, Pat Kerwin, David Sampson to join us tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Monday, and thanks for listening to Miller and Moulton.